Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, August 20th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And Diane Broadway stars James Marino. James, it's a Monday, so let's run down everything that happened in this feed over the weekend. First up on Saturday, my latest episode of Tell Me More came out, and it was kind of a lucky coincidence. Neither of the interviews that were included in that episode were originally intended uh, for a Tell Me More episode. They were kind of just done more as special episodes. But as I talked to both Tony nominee Tony Yazbek, which all the Tonys in there got me really confused at times, and Brandon Williams, who is currently starring in Getting the Band Back Together, some similar themes came up. And so I, I thought it would be a good way to package those two together. Obviously, they were talking about very different projects. Tony Yazbek is going to be part of the uh, centennial celebration of Leonard Bernstein at Tanglewood this coming Saturday. Brandon, as I mentioned, is uh, in Getting the Band Back Together on Broadway. But they both talked about feeling the need to always be creating not only for their personal, as Tony put it, creative soul, but they also have this impulse to always be doing something. But most importantly, what I thought was interesting is they're both fathers and husbands. And they talked about the necessity to kind of balance the creative side with the, the fact that you've got responsibilities to pay the bills. Um, and so it was a really interesting set of conversations. The audio for Brandon's interview was not super great because he was, I, I called him and he was in the gym locker room. So that was a little weird. Took a, a lot of editing to get the dropping of weights out of there, but uh, really good. And seriously, many, many times. Um, so, but it was, uh, it was a really good conversation. So I really enjoyed uh, doing those and uh, hopefully you'll enjoy the episode and uh, uh, that, that's in the feed. Then on Sunday, the newest episode of this week on Broadway, James, you were with Peter and Michael, and they had a whole lot of reviews, including getting the band back together, which I have to say the esteemed legendary, iconic theater critic Peter Felicia seemed to, I don't know if I, he liked it, James, but he, there were things he appreciated, appreciated that I don't think I saw a lot of other critics giving it credit for. Peter always finds the good. Uh, I think uh, that's one of the special things about Peter. Uh, and while he didn't give it a, a positive review, he said that he thought that the audience around him really enjoyed it. Uh, and there were some really great performances there. And uh, so I, I think that getting the band back together might be able to use uh, Peter Felicia's broader video <laughs> uh, as a pull quote for their New York Times ad. Rather than the yeah. review for the 2014. Yeah. Okay. Um, another thing that is something that, Peter often talks about is uh, true using true rhymes, perfect yeah. rhymes and things. There was a lot of discussion about that, not only with getting the band back together, but uh, pretty woman and R R R E D um, over at the DR two. So was not a big fan of how they, those used imperfect rhymes, but he did give a lot of credit to be more chill and Joe Iconis uh, being very good with the rhymes. And he really liked be more chill as well. He had some issues with the ending, but overall he said it was a, he, uh, he was kind of a rave for the first two thirds of it. Don't you think? Oh yeah. You know, he really, uh, he, that's the thing about Peter. You, uh, you have to make the rhymes rhyme. <laughs> and if not, <laughs> if if not, he is very unhappy about the about lyric choices there. But uh, you know, he's a big fan of "Be More Chill," and he's uh, and I ironically, can you imagine this? He's never seen a Joe Iconis thing right. before. So yeah, uh, yeah. He enjoyed the first one. So stuff you can uh, binge to on your Monday, and including or in addition to this episode, but. Uh, 
yeah, some some fun varied stuff in the feed. And uh, I have to say, we can check one more thing off the box because uh, we didn't. We've never had a locker room interview before, so uh, <laughs> there it is. So, so can we consider this locker room talk? Does that have a new meaning now? Uh, no? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> All right. First up in the news, uh, Lab for Michael Jackson musical to be held next month. Yeah, James, earlier this summer, we had talked about the work in progress, which will feature a book by two-time Pulitzer Prize winner Lynn Nottage, and will be directed and choreographed by Tony winner Christopher Wheeldon. Well, on Friday, we learned that there will be a lab of the show in a little over a month under the working title Westlake, which is the name of the recording studio where the King of Pop recorded most of his biggest hits. I might refer the producers uh, of that show to Elizabeth Vincitelli's article from last week about naming a show, but I digress. Uh, the lab will take place from September 24th through October 21st, and an equity casting notice has gone out for the principal roles of Alejandro and young Michael Jackson, as well as male ensemble roles that cover various uh, parts, including Tito Jackson and Quincy Jones, and then Jermaine Jackson has another uh, track. James, I assume that that means that the other roles, including that of Michael and presumably his father, uh, Joe, who passed away about a month and a half ago, the rest of the Jackson 5, Janet, Bubbles the Chimp, Macaulay Culkin, and more have already been cast. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see who ends up in those parts. Thank you for the courtesy laugh. I appreciate that. Um, but James, what's really interesting, what really interests me about this show is that in this recent rush of of pop star bio musicals, one of the complaints uh, that we've heard recently, whether it's Tina or Summer or the Share Show, um, that they haven't adequately dealt with some of the more difficult personal points uh, of their subjects' lives, and even going back to like uh, Motown and and Beautiful, those address them but not super deeply but the newer ones seem to do it even less now obviously michael jackson has probably the lowest point i mean arguably the lowest point of any of these musical subjects with the accusations of child molestation now i have no doubt that nottage is up to the challenge of writing that part of the story but james considering that jackson's estate is heavily involved in this i wonder if they will allow that to even be included and if they don't Will that somehow make the show less worthwhile without it? Uh, because that's obviously a major part of the history of Michael Jackson. Will they just stop it before it even get, a story even gets there, which is kind of what they've done with the Share show. Um, they've stopped it at a certain point. Um, but I, I just feel like you, you can't do this show properly, especially if you've got someone of Nottage's caliber, if you don't at least address that somehow. I can't imagine that Lynn Nottage would get involved if she couldn't have artistic freedom i mean she's she's yeah she's enormous you know enormous talent and of enormous stature she doesn't have to do a project you know yeah, it's true but she just had her broadway debut last season despite it being a show yeah. that won her her second Pulitzer. So, you know, I mean, maybe there is the, the a Broadway musical um, will allow you not that I'm saying she's, you know, uh, uh, corrupting her morals or anything. No. But, yeah. you know, it's it's still a, a job. And, and I just I just I can't wrap my head around how you musicalize that or even put that in a musical. But then I don't understand how you can have a piece that's supposed to be the story of Michael Jackson without it being dealt with. Wow. I guess that's a, a good point. We'll have to see how it goes. I, I haven't really, I, I don't really recall seeing the Jackson estate being so 
out there and litigious about true yeah. things that are negative out there. Uh, certainly, there's been tons of you know television shows and documentaries about yeah. what's happened, and I don't think that they've really been Trumpian about it and gone out and sued sued every or threatened to sue, but never actually sued. I've never I've never heard that uh, adjective before. Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, wow, you know, Lynn Nottage, just an amazing talent to cover this, uh, Michael Jackson, who's an amazing talent himself. So uh, I hope that it, I hope that it's the, uh, the right, they do it the right way. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, move forward into show and casting news. All right. We've got a couple things here real quick. On Friday, the old Vic over in London announced that their upcoming production of Arthur Miller's All My Sons, directed by Jeremy Heron, will start the great Sally Field and the only president I want defending us against an alien invasion, Bill Pullman. The revival will be a co-production with Headlong Theater, where Heron is the artistic director and will run in spring of 2019. Further casting will be announced in the coming months. Also on Friday, the Roundabout Theater Company announced that Mary Louise Burke and Gary Wilms will join Ethan Hawke and Paul Dano in the upcoming Broadway revival of Sam Shepard's True West. Directed by James McDonald, the show will begin performances on December 27th at the American Airlines Theater for a limited engagement. And finally, in this section on Saturday, we exclusively reported over at Broadway World that Chris McCarroll will return to the role that he originated off-Broadway when the Lightning Thief, the Percy Jackson musical, launches its national tour in Chicago this coming January. Chris will play Percy Jackson, the the main character. Uh, Additional casting will be announced soon. And James, this is one of those shows we talked uh, a decent amount about when it was off-Broadway and I, I don't know that I foresaw a national tour with this, but when they announced it, there was so much excitement. I don't know what kind of venues it's playing. I haven't looked, but it's not Be More Chill level, although it's, it has a book by Joe Trax, who wrote the book for Be More Chill. Um, it, it seems to have a decent cult following, so maybe it will do well in maybe some smaller venues across the country. Yeah, I you know, it's I've often thought that this was uh... – an interesting thing that's ignored is a small tour market, not a not a non-equity market, but a professional equity company in small shows and smaller theaters. And uh, I don't feel it's it's it has been done as often as it could be. So mm-hmm. I'm glad to see the Percy Jackson musical doing that. Yeah, we've seen it with a couple straight shows in recent years. Remember, uh, Best Wall's Small Mouth Sounds did it, where it actually kind of took the tour and programmed it into regional theaters yeah. uh, around the country. So instead of having like a week long tour stop, they did month long tour stops that were just like productions of the season. Similar things happened with The Humans that just wrapped up its national tour. So it it happens, but definitely not for musicals. So if you could take some of these off-Broadway musicals that were hits off-Broadway and kind of program in that way, James, I think you've got – that's a great idea. And we haven't really heard that from a musical other than this. So it will be interesting to see if this does well, if other producers will start trying to make that happen uh, in future seasons. I may be misremembering this, and if I am, listeners, let us know. But I think that Bat Boy did that. Oh. I think I – th- Think Bat love, Boy at just isn't that the perfect show for a I small love musical? Me some Bat Boy. God, I love, love me some Bat Boy. Hold me, Bat Boy. 
So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, yeah, yeah, we used to say that all the time with some oh, friends. Oh, so good. Oh, loved going down to Union Square and seeing some Bat Boy with uh, Storm and Broadway, Doug Storm. Mm. All right. Carrie, Carrie Butler. Carrie in the Butler, Caitlin oh, Hopkins. Yeah. Oh, that was such a good show. I wish it would. I wish somebody would bring it back to New York. Well, there, there's. I, I completely. We're off the the reservation here, yeah. but um, it, I don't remember the full story. But I've heard interviews with Carrie Butler, maybe on theater people talk about how it was just such a bad time. Like there were talks of a either a revival or a transfer to Broadway, and then I don't remember if it was nine eleven that it, it was, it, that the yeah. Show was yeah it was originally running, and it just didn't work. You know, similar to what we heard with uh, with Assassins, you know, uh, the original production of Assassins off Broadway was supposed to come to Broadway. Then we went to war with Iraq the first time. And then a revival was supposed to happen in 2001, 2002. That got scuttled. And then it was a few years later that roundabout finally brought it to Broadway. But it's it's so interesting to see these shows that have become hits after the fact that never really got the opportunity to complete its run, um, you know, or the trajectory of its run because of real world stuff. But I, man, I, the idea the, 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 the elevator pitch of what bad boy is, is so ridiculous that if you haven't seen it though, it's a phenomenal musical. I, I absolutely love me some bad boy. All right. What's up in this week's theatrical schedule? Well, absolutely nothing is starting previews or openings uh, this week. Now, (laughs) of course, there are things, but nothing of note. But it is a big week for closings, James. And obviously, first and foremost uh, is the Saturday, August 25th closing of Hello, Dolly! on Broadway. Did we check this with the press reps? Make sure that it is closing? I I am checking. I am on their website right now. Bet Midler, Hello, Dolly! uh, now through August 25th. Seven perform final seven performances, no chance of extension. So okay. I feel confident mm-hmm. that I'm not bungling this like I did the Donna Murphy thing. Um, although Donna's last performance is apparently tonight. So uh, we'll see how that goes. I think Robbie's going. So um, anyway, of course, this I'm still a little shocked that it's closing this soon. Um, you know, this show was still making fairly decent money with with Bernadette Peters. But obviously, Scott Rudin knows what he's doing uh, and didn't maybe see the advance in the fall, uh, even if he would brought someone in after Bette Midler, if Bette would have even done it, if it wasn't going to close. But either way, super excited for Betty Buckley to lead this company on tour and very excited to see it when it's here in Orlando. I can't imagine there are many tickets available, James, through the normal uh, telecharge avenues. But perhaps there are some of you really want to go on some secondary markets. That's on a Saturday, August 25th. Then on Sunday, a ton of off-Broadway and one across the pond show I want to mention. First and foremost to me is the Sweeney Todd down at Barrow Street is closing on Sunday. What a phenomenal production. I This will go down as one of my favorite things I've ever seen in New York. So if you get a chance to see it in this final week, please do. Then over at the Roundabout Theater Company, a, uh, a show called Skin Tight, starring someone you might have heard of, Adina Menzel. Familiar with her? Uh, that will close on the 26th as well. And then after a one-week extension, this completely sold-out run of Mike Birbiglia's The New One over at the Cherry Lane Theater will close on Sunday as well. Again, you're not getting tickets uh, unless you go through some sort of scalper for this one. And then over at the Duke on 42nd, The Saintliness of Marjorie Kemp will close. And then finally, James, I wanted to include this one over in London. 
the show Knights of the Rose. That is that medieval meets Bon Jovi, Meatloaf, Bonnie Tyler, no doubt musical in which we've talked a lot about the front of house worker Jennifer Caldwell being called on to join the company and and complete a track when somebody with a couple people were out. Then she was made a full time swing with the show. Uh, this show will close in the West End on Sunday. So uh, uh, figured we'd mention that and hopefully people will get a chance to see that before it goes. So she caused it to close? No, no, no. It was, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm don't kidding. Play for it. No, no, no. It was a limited run. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a limited run. A very, you know, the West End and how their schedules and shows work are so different yeah. than what we have here in New York or in the U.S. Even, you know, they, they go in for limited two-month runs in the West End. And there's a lot more theaters, um, you know, that kind of rotate shows in and out. But this was not Jennifer Caldwell's fault. Please don't <laughs> tell her, James, that if you do, James at BroadwayRadio.com. All right. Uh, so why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Want to give you some advice here? A mountain is no place to raise a cow. So uh, Matt and I will be back and talk with you tomorrow. 